This is Dave LaGreca of Busted Open, and I know two extremely passionate fans about AEW, Paul Zartman and Tanner Lee. That's right, Paul and Tanner. I love what they bring to the table on the Kicking Out Podcast. That's right, the Kicking Out Podcast with Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman. Are you listening to me? If you want the latest on AEW and you're an AEW fan and you want to get the scoop, you listen to Paul and Tanner right now on all podcast forums. I'm talking, you go to the podcast store, you lay down your money, and you buy the Kicking Out podcast. You do it now. If you love AEW, you'll love Tanner and Paul. It is Wednesday night, July 7th, 2021, and you know what that means. Another brand new episode of the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, along with my co-host, Paul Zartman. For the first time, Paul, since March 11th, 2020, AEW Dynamite hit the road and took place somewhere other than Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, as they were on the road in Miami, Florida tonight for Road Rager. Yeah, I mean, they may not have gone too far up the road, but hey. You got to start somewhere, right? Yep. Next week, they'll uh, finally get out of Florida and go to Texas for two weeks before they go to uh, North Carolina. Then they'll be back at Daly's Place again on August 4th just for a week, and then they go to Pittsburgh, I believe, after that. And I'm not sure after Pittsburgh where they're going. I don't think it's been announced yet. Chicago shortly after that, the week of All Out. But I don't right. think uh, I don't think the date for the uh, whatever – after Pittsburgh is, um, what, the 18th, I think, of August, I think. Because I, yeah. think, I think the first rampage is that Friday in Pittsburgh on the 13th. So Yes, because Britt Baker's on the poster for both. Yeah, it's Britsburg. Since, yeah, you know, it is Britsburg. <laughs> but uh, either way, all that included, what a show tonight, what a fun show. The crowd was hot from beginning to end. Uh, cool arena. It was just nice to see a different venue. On yeah. TV for the first time in what feels like forever. I know. The show opened and I was already getting the goosebumps because, you know, we're back on the road and it feels like it's been so, I mean, it's been over a year, but it feels longer than that. It does. I mean, you know, at one point this past year, I didn't know if we'd ever see full capacity crowds again. Yeah. But uh, we did tonight. A small venue, but it was. it looked like it was packed at least. I'm not sure if it was actually an official sellout or not. Right. It was close either way. So. But uh, Dynamite did kick off with the South Beach strap match between Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. I think we were both in agreement. We could have predicted that beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was no doubt. What other way do you start it? You can't. This is the one time you can't start with the tag match. No, I mean, Cody against Sammy Guevara was the first ever you know, dynamite match. Cody spoke by himself in the ring um, on the uh, first pandemic show on March 18th last year. He is the face of the company. You like Cody, you hate company, or you, you like Cody, you hate <laughs> Cody. Uh, either way, he is the face of all the wrestling. That he is. And uh, there's no denying it, whether he stays in the ring or retires and does backstage stuff. Cody Rhodes is not going anywhere for a while. No, he's not. I mean, he's fully invested in this company um, like he has been since the beginning of it. I mean, you have to be as an EVP. And so I, I thought it was the right match to start things off. Um, let's get right into it. Like I said, South Beach strap match. At start of the match, referee Paul Turner is trying to get the straps on both wrestlers, but QT rolled out of the ring. Cody got frustrated with that, and he hit a tope suicida. So hot action right off the, right off the get-go. A lot of back back and forth in this match. Of course, a lot of uh, hitting each other over the back with the straps, which, I mean, is, is expected in a, in a strap match. Um, saw uh, Aaron Solo get it, it involved, and then Dustin Rhodes came out from the back, uh, went right after Solo. Uh, crowd really got into that. Um, Nick Camarado chased after both of them into the crowd. 
We saw QT hit Cody with a low blow, blow, a low blow using the strap. Um, then we saw both of them tagging the corners because for anybody that might have missed it to win a strap match, you have to hit all four corners consecutively, and uh, that's how you win the match. Um, towards the end of the match, we saw uh, QT uh, had Cody on the top rope, and he hit a diamond cutter. Uh, QT touched three of the four turnbuckles, but then he began uh, hitting Cody with the straps, and Cody tells him to bring it on. Cody got a ton of momentum going after that. He hit a Cody cutter. Um, he hit three of the four turnbuckles, and QT stopped him, and QT spit in Cody's face. Cody then hit not one, not two, but three crossroads, and then he touched all four turnbuckles to get the win. Yeah, um, nice little throwback to uh, the Sammy vlog if you're watching closely when he did the, you know, <laughs> went for all four. But if you're a fan of Sammy's vlog, that probably meant something a little bit different to you, especially after this week's episode. Yes, a uh, little, maybe a little silent shout out to Fuego del Sol. If nothing else, I'm sure Fuego felt that way. <laughs> yes. yes um, yeah, go check out Sammy Guevara's latest vlog if you haven't already, if, if, you, if you're a fan of that. So, um, on a scale of one to five, what do you give this match? Ooh. Okay, you're going to do this I'm to me per match. On, nah, maybe wow. not per match, just this one. Just this um, one. I'll go with a three. Um, because like you and I agreed, that's the perfect length for a QT match. But I want to see Cody in longer matches. He can go the distance. He can go 20, 30 minutes in a match. And they keep giving him 10, 15-minute matches, and they're not letting him show his true full potential. Yet. I give this about a two and a half. Um, I hated the build towards it. I haven't been silent about that in the last few weeks. Um but I'm glad to see this feud come to an end, and I'm glad Cody's going to get a big-time feud, which we'll talk about later on when we're, we're recapping that part of the show. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, there was no way Cody was going to lose this match, even though no. we both didn't put a ton of confidence points on it. You only had one. I had two. So I was more confident in some of the other matches. Yeah, now we say <laughs> that, and they're like, well, well, yeah. Yeah. As you can all see, Paul's still wearing the strap over his shoulder. So, surprise, surprise. <laughs> hey, it was uh, – we'll get into full details, but this yep. was an extremely close one. Yep. Uh, after that match, we got a promo from Sean Spears. He's telling uh, everybody that he's done with Sammy Guevara. Then all of a sudden, a chair comes flying through and hits Spears in the head. Guevara said he's not done with him yet. Yeah, which is good because I want to see those two in a chairs match. I'm just saying. Are you getting tired of the pinnacle inner circle feud? As a whole, in the five-on-five, five, I am. But when you break it down like they are now with the individual feuds, you know, Sammy and Sean, uh, Jericho and MJF, which we'll get into, uh, Pride and Powerful, FTR, that's all stuff I can get behind. Now, I don't want to see Hager and Wardlow no, anymore. Please, we've already seen that enough. <laughs> yeah, we're done with that. I mean, maybe give them their rubber match in a regular wrestling match or yeah. a steel cage or something, mm -hmm. but then I'm done with it. Yeah, ambulance match or two. something, something, yeah. Yeah, something big time. yeah I, I, agree, I, can, I agree. I can get into the rest of both teams in their individual feuds, just not Wardlow-Hager. I agree with that 100%. We didn't see Tony Schiavone in the ring. He's about to interview uh, AEW World Heavyweight Champion Kenny Omega, and Don Callis is coming out with Kenny. Uh, Don takes the microphone away from Tony and tells him to go to the corner and be the Tommy Bahama model that he wants to be. <laughs> then the crowd starts chanting that Callis, you got fired. Uh, and he, then he says, a uh, real man gets fired, he doesn't quit. So they're referring to him getting fired on Impact Wrestling a few weeks ago by Scott Damore. Uh, man, it was good to have crowds back, I'll tell you. Yes. Callis um, <laughs> uh, then tells the crowd that they get to see the best wrestler in the world. He says that nobody's left for Omega. The crowd starts chanting, we want Hangman. I'm like, yep, that guy's mm -hmm. over, and he doesn't even have to be on the camera. Exactly. Exactly what AEW wanted. Then we get the Dark Order's music. Eva Uno comes out with the rest of the Dark Order, and he asks Kenny Omega why he's ignoring the crowd. He also asks Omega why he's afraid of his friend Hangman. The crowd begins chanting uh, cowboy shit. And Omega asks Uno, what's the capital of Thailand? He then blows Uno and he, Doc Gallos and Carl Anderson, Mike Nakazawa, 
begin attacking the Dark Order. Then Hayman makes a save and clears Arene. Crowd's going nuts. He gets in the face of Omega, and they have words. Omega then leaves when Hayman gets distracted. Yes, and of course, probably my favorite part from Kenny was after he delivered the low blow to Evil Uno. He's like, it's Bangkok, baby. I knew that was caught. <laughs> I popped. I'm like, I'm like in fifth grade all over again. Like, oh, I know. A joke like that. but Yeah, uh, he, he said that, that and I went, oh, no. <laughs> and I got to say, since I forgot to mention this last week and he still had the facial hair, Kenny Omega's looking all uh, Triple H circa 2003 with the with the facial hair going on. Um <laughs> Yeah, he was there. I wasn't going to. Interesting look tonight: the black V-neck and then like the striped pants. Striped pants with the cowboy boots. Kenny being Kenny. Yeah, I know. And Kenny's the only one who can pull that off. Now, Don said something about Fighter Fest Mm -hmm. night during the promo. I don't want that match on Fighter Fest. I want it all out. Uh, So do I. I mean, if they if if they do it three weeks from now, I feel like that's rushing a year's build. The only way I would be okay with it at Fighter Fest is if it's just a one-on-one, let's do what the Young Bucks have done every week. If you beat me, you get a shot at the title. If not, you're done. That's the only put way. Him, put them in a tag. Hangman and Uno versus Kenny and one of the one of the good brothers. Yeah, yeah. which we'll talk about some interesting uh, news from them a little later yep. on in the show as well. Yep. Uh, next, we saw JR having a sit-down interview with Ethan Page and Darby Allen. He tells both men that he's disgusted with them because they, they want to end each other's careers. Darby says it took him one year to get where he is. That took Ethan Page 12 years. Uh, Darby says that he gave up everything to be in AEW. It's not his fault that Ethan left left to stay home, get married, and have kids. Page says he's not wrong, but he made Allen, and that Allen is nothing without Ethan Page. I thought both guys were top notch on this promo in this promo. Yeah. I mean, uh, Darby didn't say too much. He said just the perfect amount for a Darby Allen promo. Um, Ethan page is really good on the microphone and that mm-hmm. shows through every week when he cuts a promo. Um, Jr. was the weak link and that's not a knock against Jr. It's just, these two have so much history between each other that regardless of who was interviewing them, the interviewer was going to look like the weak link. Yeah, poor JR caught enough uh, flack from the wrestling world this past week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all off of uh, one statement that he made. In all admit, I was a little upset last Wednesday with how it went off the air, but the more I thought yeah. about it, I'm like, the guy's a legend. You know, he did work for that company for 30 years or yeah. 20 plus Close years. Close to it, yeah. Flip-ups happen once in a while. I mean, he what I liked about JR, he went owned up to it on Twitter. Yes. He said, no excuses. That that takes a man to do that. Yeah. So. I mean, he could have just played it off and said, oh, you know, uh, these things happen. But he said, you know, there's no excuse. I screwed up. A bully Ray texted him about 15 minutes after the show and, and said, you know, don't worry about it or something. And JR texted him back. Um, Hope you're doing well, big man. Uh, what's wrong? Did I do something wrong? JR didn't even realize what he right. said. Nobody backstage had told him. So that tells me they didn't really look at it as a big deal. Yeah, it wasn't too much of a big deal. Um, I mean, accidents happen. Yep. Yep. But so, so everybody that's still on JR, get off his back a little bit. We've all made mistakes. We're not perfect. So we then get the tag match, a six man tag match with the Pinnacle involving Wardlow and FTR with Tully Blanchard by their side versus the Inner Circle, Proud and Powerful, and Jake Hager with Conan. By their side. Awesome to see Conan back on TNT. This is his fourth appearance in AEW, but nice to see him back on TNT on what is today the 25th anniversary of the debut of the New World Order the NWO. Yes, definitely. See, I knew it was this week, but I didn't realize it was it's today. NWO week. They're celebrating over on Peacock, but today was Bash at the Beach, 96. Hogan turns wrestling really was never the same after that no no it was not god can you imagine going back 25 years ago if hogan hadn't have turned can you imagine twitter was around 25 years ago oh i know but i think yeah i think if hogan wouldn't have turned i don't think wcw would have lasted as long as they did absolutely not because i don't think the the attitude era happens exactly 
Exactly. I mean, it would have been wrestling would have been a completely different industry had Hogan not turned. Hundred percent. Were you a NWO black and white guy, or were you NWO red and black? You know, I was red and black. Yeah, they were cool. So they were I, cool. It was Sting for me. What can I say? I did. I didn't like Sting in, in the NWO, um, but. I liked him against the NWO, but then as the, the red and black started forming and he joined, that's when I went for it. Gotcha. So uh, the, 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 the Wolfpack was cool. I, I, I owned a Wolfpack shirt when I was younger, but I never did have a, uh, the original black and white shirt. But uh, in my yeah. opinion, either variation is the greatest wrestling shirt of all time. Yeah. The Austin 316 one's up there too. DX mm-hmm. one's up there too. But the NWO one is classic, simple. Still worn all over the place. If you go to any wrestling show around the world, you probably get a good chance you're going to see an NWO shirt there, at least one, and an Austin 316 shirt. Yeah. And let's not forget, those are two very iconic things. You know, you talk to somebody who's not a wrestling fan, wrestling, they're going to go, oh, New World Order or Austin 316 or Hulk Hogan. So, I mean, it all is very tied in together and it's all right. because Hogan turned. Right. Right. So okay. Now we'll circle back. That was, yeah. But that, back that to AEW. Good, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. The Conan got me thrown off there a little bit. But uh, <laughs> the match began. We saw Santana and Dax Harwood throwing punches at each other. Uh Harwood sent Santana to the corner. Santana came back with a big clothesline, a big German suplex. Santana then tagged in Ortiz. Ortiz hit Dax with the Northern Light suplex. He then, uh, Dax cat, tagged in Cash Wheeler. Wheeler came in, hit Ortiz with a big European uppercut. Warlow's tagged in. He takes multiple shots at Ortiz, then tags Dax back in. Um, Ortiz hits uh, Harwood with a, a Liger bomb. Hager's tagged in. He clears the ring. We have our first picture-picture commercial break, which I've made my thoughts on that in the past. Uh, <laughs> Pinnacle's controlling the match when they come back. Warlow and FTR exchanging multiple tags and staying on top of Santana. Santana hits Cash Wheeler with a big cutter. Santana gets to Ortiz for the hot tag. Wheeler gets hit by Hager with a big body slam. Ortiz goes for the pin. However, Warlow breaks it up. Now the Pinnacle's triple-teaming Ortiz. Ortiz is back, back up and hits Cash Wheeler with a spine buster. Ortiz then makes it to Hager for the tag, and soon Warlow's in after Hager tells Dax he wants a piece of Hager. Hager and Warlow throw multiple strikes at each other. The strikes looked better than they did in the MMA fight a couple weeks ago. Yes, that's for sure. Hager got Warlow an ankle lock, but FTR made the save. FTR hit the big rig on Hager and then uh, pinned him to get the win. Conan got in the ring and hit Warlow in the back before uh, Warlow, and before Warlow got him, Tully Blanchard took out the legs of Conan and the pinnacle left the ring. Yeah. I, I thought the match was going to be a lot longer than it was. Yeah. I mean, for a six man tag match, that was pretty quick. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of action, a lot or real quick. And that was that. So. Yeah. It, I mean, it is what it is what it is. I mean, it was fine, but I don't give it any, I don't give it a three stars. <laughs> Maybe two, two. Yeah, my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. I agree. We then got announcement that John Moxley is going to be uh, defending his IWGP US Championship next week against the Machine Gun Carl Anderson. Yeah, the uh, Good Brothers are heading back to New Japan, and they want to take that belt with them. Yeah, which makes sense, but I just don't see Machine Gun going over Mox next week. And Mox's first time on TV since Double or Nothing. Um, I like how they, I mean, it was kind of just a surprise with no build, but I like how they just kind of slid it in there. And it's like, oh, holy yeah. crap, Mox is back next week. Yeah, and I mean, that normally we're both against these, oh, title defense next week type matches. But this was done so sly that it worked and they had the little promo from machine gun in there which i liked yeah. i mean it gave it a little more backstory so yep i I'm mean if you would have just gone oh hey john moxley returns next week to defend the belt against machine gun then you'd go no yeah no yeah exactly right right so i liked how they did they presented that tonight we'll get the new uh the new new father john moxley and the newly bald john moxley yeah. next week as he yeah. shaved his head it looked like from a some pictures of a fan fest or a comic con or 
some right. kind of fan thing he was at this past week. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to see exactly how he looks next week as a yes. father. Yes, we will. <laughs> we then got the MJF uh, Chris Jericho showdown. The crowd uh, was singing really loud as uh, Judas, which a live crowd singing Judas just brings goosebumps Ooh. to me every time. Yeah, yeah. We did get a fan try to jump in the ring, but he got uh, <laughs> taken out by the security. MJF pretty much said he dares any fat fan to come out and fight him. MGF and then insults Jericho and the crowd starts chanting Y2J and he stops the crowd and says that Y2J died a long time ago, but he should have let that fat bastard beat his ass. I I, I, I laughed at that one. Yeah. Although, you know, I know Y2J died a long time ago, but the ring of Y2J versus MJF just has a nice ring to it. It does. Well, three syllables there for each one. Yeah. So. Uh, Jericho says he'll do whatever it takes to get in the ring with MJF, even if that means he has to sleep with MJF's mom again, he says. MJF says that his challenge is to go through four matches with MJF picking the opponent and the stipulation for each match. Jericho then tells MJF that he is the god of war. Jericho signs the contract and throws that MJF. MJF stops Jericho and tells him that a deal is not made until a handshake is done. Jericho uh, um, agrees and shakes his hand. And then uh, MGF tries to let go. Jericho, however, pulls him back in and hits him with the juice effect. And then we cut the commercial break. I'm going to say uh, he connected good with that Judas effect. And I'm not 100% sure that MGF wasn't actually knocked out. Oh, I think MGF just sort of like a champ. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, still. Eyes still. open and everything. Because I thought the camera angle was weird when he hit it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. Um, I thought the camera angle was kind of screwed up on that one. But, um, yeah, MJF sold it like a champ. Um, yeah, I'm all for a third match between these two guys. Um, but MJF brought up the fact that he's already beat Jericho twice. I'm thinking Jericho gets it done against him this time. I don't know if that's the right move. Mm, I think it is. Um, to an extent. So, so he's got to go through four guys. He's got to go through the whole I assume the whole pinnacle is going to be the the opponents. That would be my guess based off of MJF's statement of when mm-hmm. uh, Mox wanted to face you, he had to take on each member of the inner circle. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do that, but make it better. Yeah. So, I mean, who else would he go to? It's not like he has that large group of guys like he used to. You know, he can't call on the butcher and the blade anymore. <laughs> Right, and it makes sense to go through each guy because that's more singles feuds that we're getting out of this rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we then see a backstage segment with Dr. Britt Baker, and she's mad that she had to wrestle when she didn't even want to. She told, tells Tony Khan that she's made a millions of dollars. She then takes some shots at Nyla Rose, and she says that you can have your bloody money maybe run a show next week in Saudi Arabia. And Twitter yeah. blew up on that comment. Imagine that. Oh, of course. Of course, you know, her husband, uh, boyfriend, whatever, the dead guy does it once a year. So, of course, she's going to bring it up. Yeah. Right. She just had to have the right time to do it. Yep. A little, little, little shot fired over there. Just playful fun. And people take this stuff way too seriously when it comes to making fun of another company or taking a friendly jab. People just go nuts. I mean, it's all fun. It's part of part of good wrestling, good entertainment on TV. It was the whole attitude era. That's exactly what they did every single week. So, <laughs> too sensitive fans, now, Paul. Too sensitive. But these, it's coming from the same fans who say, "Oh, wrestling's not been any good since the Attitude Era. Bring the Attitude Era back." Hey, let's do something like they did in the Attitude Era. Oh, you can't do that. You're 100 percent correct. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we then get uh, Matt Seidel or Matt something, as Andrade has been calling him, against the debuting. Or his in, in his debut match in AW, I should say Andrade El Idolo with Vicky Guerrero by his side, which I don't think he needs her as a manager. Who is the guy with the iPad? Nah, just some guy who holds Andrade's <laughs> wardrobe, I guess. And yeah. an iPad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. They didn't really uh, explain that. Didn't acknowledge him at all. What did you think of Andrade's entrance and ring attire tonight? Interesting. Um, as a comic book fan, I know he's going for the uh, 
black skull from Spider-Man reference there because that's the exact same outfit he wears in the Marvel Spider-Man game. Um, but I think it fits him, honestly. I think the guy looks like a million bucks. Yeah. I know some people haven't, hasn't, haven't liked how he's been presented so far in AEW. I think he's been presented like a mega superstar. I really yep. enjoyed the match tonight. I thought he was awesome. I think he's one of the most talented guys in the world, and I hope AEW doesn't have him lose for quite a while. Exactly, which is why I was shocked that this match went as long as it did. And again, that wasn't anything against Matt Seidel. This was a, I figured, normally a debut match is five minutes. You're done. Yeah, I mean, Andrade had had, had control for the most part of the match. Um, at the end of the match, we saw him hit Seidel with a big running knee in the corner. Um, then, he, then he ended it by hitting his finisher he got the pin. I, I didn't catch what the finisher was called. I didn't either because it was so quick. It's like he hit it and then one, two, three, they were talking about the pin over the move. So he, he did after the match, he restrained Seidel and tied him up for a submission hold. Then yeah. he left the ring and hugged Vicky on his way out and, and gave the wardrobe guy a weird look. Yes. And his belt. Yeah. As he gave him his belt. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So I saw some people complain that he was wrestling in his, Dress clothes, but I thought it was a cool, unique look. I got no problem yeah. with it. And I'm sure they're not as dressy because you got to be able to uh, have those stretch a little bit and, and be flexible in the ring. So it's more of a sweatpants suit, yeah, done yeah. up to look like a true suit. I mean, the man pulled it off from the back, so right. the whole top was one, maybe two pieces, right? Right, so, so. nope, I was all about it. I thought it was a good debut, I really enjoyed it, yeah. Um, we then got a promo talking about the history of Matt Hardy and Christian Cage, and they're going to meet next week, night one of Fighter Fest. So I predicted it was going to be a fight of the fallen uh, two weeks before I predicted. Yeah, but hey, you know, maybe this is just the start of it, and we see some good feud out of this. Now, of course, I'm going to be kind of biased here and say I want Christian to win, but hey, I was you know. just ask you who, who, who you got winning the match. <laughs> Uh, I think being the fan of Christian, I'm pulling for Christian. Um, to me, I've never been a Matt Hardy fan. Uh, when you go back to Team Extreme, Jeff carried the team. I think a majority was, of wrestling fans like Jeff Hardy more than Matt. I've yeah. always been one to like Matt more. So I, mean, I, I, I enjoy Christian more than Matt, though. But I've always right. been one to be a bigger Matt Hardy fan than Jeff Hardy. Okay, and I, I won't criticize you for it. Yeah, so. but I mean, I think Jeff's a great worker. I'd love to see him in AEW and them finish their career as a form of Team Extreme. And mm -hmm. I think that's possible, even though I think Jeff's contract goes through 2023, I believe. But, I but mean, Matt's got never, years left in him, too. So. Yeah, yeah he's, he's starting to be smarter with his work schedule. I think last year really opened up his eyes mm -hmm. in that whole uh, Sammy feud. So. Um, we then see Tony Giovanni in the ring again with Arn Anderson to cut a promo. Um, during the promo, though, the lights go out. And I should mention the lights went out just for a brief second in the uh, South Beach strap match between Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. And I even texted you. I said, hmm. I, I, th I said, I think that was supposed to be something after the match and, and they messed up. But I think it ended up just being a teaser for what was to come because the lights go out. And when they come back on, it's Malachi Black, a.k.a. WWE's Alistair Black slash Tommy End. And he takes out Arn Anderson with a nasty um, roundhouse kick, like a reverse roundhouse kick. Cody gets in the ring, takes him out, too. Yeah, Cody came out of nowhere, too, <laughs> mind did. you. I mean, the camera looked at Malachi, and then, boom, Cody's in the ring. I'm like, dude, how'd you get there that fast? Seriously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And I got to give it to the commentary team uh, for playing it off so well. Um, I mean, they may not have known that the lights were going to go out during the strap match, but, you know, well, there has been some weather in the area, and we saw similar problems to this earlier today. And then to kind of hit on that again when the lights went out, um, I think it did. they did a good job. Oh, fantastic. Did you hear that pop of that crowd? Oh, yeah. It was hard to hear Excalibur pop over the crowd, and he had a microphone in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, and that was Excalibur, great job to him. I mean, he explained how he 
fought against Tommy N 15 years ago over in Germany, but this is not Tommy N. This is Malachi Black. So referring to a darker version of him. And uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of saw some rumors earlier today going around on, on a few of the sites that there was rumblings amongst the roster today that he was coming to AW, but they couldn't get confirmation that he was there today or not. So I kind of texted you earlier. I was like, there's a rumor that somebody's going to be making a debut, but it's like one of those, you know, believe it when, when we see it. And, and it, what made me surprised, I mean, his, his, um, I can't remember Wife. if they're married or not. Are they yes, married? They are married. Yeah, Tr- Trinidad, uh, Zelina Vega made her return to WWE this week. Yep. So, and deleted the tweet from Twitter that got her in hot water to begin yes. with. So some people are speculating is that part of her deal? To go back was Alistair can get out of the 90-day Neil compete, but Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com and Fightful Select did report that WWE's been letting multiple guys lately get out of their 90-day Neil compete clauses. So maybe they're not being so strict on the guys anymore. Right, maybe which is nice. Yeah, Vince, I think Vince is starting to realize that you know the fans are enjoying having multiple places to watch wrestling now, so... Why hold the guys for 90 days, making them sit at home doing nothing when they could be out providing for their family or, you know, entertaining the fans? They were the ones that screwed up Alistair Black. I mean, (laughs) money coming up from NXT and then they just blew it. So hopefully AEW doesn't do the same. I love that he's got to be in a story with Cody. I've been begging for months to get Cody back into a main event storyline and sign me up for this. I will say when they do meet, Malachi better go over though. Oh, he's going to. I mean, we both know I'm a huge Cody fan, and most would consider me a mark for Cody, but I want Malachi to win when they face off. Why is it you think that so many of the good debuts in AEW are heel debuts? Because they interrupt something that you're getting into. I mean, you know, uh, Arn was delivering a heartfelt promo about his son debuting and all these positive things in his life. And then the lights go out and there's Malachi black. I mean, you know, you want the man to show up, but right then and there, it just makes it that much better. He's a scary looking dude. Oh, I know the, the purple slight purple on his face. I was sitting there looking at going, Oh man. Yep. So many different things combined into one here. It's great. Yep. And I've, I've been a fan of that guy's work for years, so I'm I'm excited about this. Good and stuff. to have him come out in a suit was nice too. Yeah, yeah, shows stuff. that he can move in a suit. So be prepared. Yeah, I saw they already got his shirt up on shopaw.com. So. Oh, of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> the lights went out, and that probably went up on AEW shop. You're probably right. You're probably right. It's probably like that. So yeah. uh, we then got a promo that was recorded earlier with Ricky Starks talking about his new security. And Taz tells him that he's, he it's embarrassing that he needs to knock it off. Starks then takes some shots at Brian Cage's wife at Infuriates Cage. He comes out, takes out Starks' new security guards. We're getting a match between the two next week for the FTW title. A little head-scratching promo there. Yeah, because for weeks we've talked, here's the chance for Brian Cage to turn on Team Taz. Brian Cage is going to be the one that turns on Team Taz. Is it Starks? I mean, that promo made you feel like it was 100% Ricky who's turning on Team Taz. Yeah, I I think maybe, maybe it's a big ploy. I mean, that, it could be. that they, They're still going to all turn against Brian Cage. Because so. if not... I don't want Team Taz to be face. <laughs> right. I mean, good just, Lord, please. We, are, no. we already flipped the dark order. Now they did that for different reasons. I understand with the passing right. of Brody Lee, but I don't, we need, no, no, don't, don't flip Team Taz to be face and then have Ricky be the outlier. Have Brian Cage leave the group and be face. That's, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. But uh, who who's going to win that match next week? I want to say on the spot tonight. I want to say Cage, but it makes sense for Ricky to somehow pull off the victory. I'm a bigger. I, I like them both. I, I really enjoy watching Brian Cage work um, and wrestle, but I want the title off of him. I don't think it's done anything for him. So no. I like, yeah, give it to Ricky Starks. So, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, you know, when Taz debuted it, he's, oh, this is a real man. This is a big man's title. And to have Cage defend it, what, three times in mm-hmm. a year and a half? Mm-hmm. Come on. Yep. Yep. It's, yeah, it's still not acknowledged really as a title. So. And let's not forget next week is Brian Cage's first in-ring match outside of Daly's place. That's very true. Very true. Or yes. AEW, that is. Yep, very true. Good point. We then got a mixed tag team match, which I believe was the first mixed tag team match in AEW history, if I'm not wrong. Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander versus the Blade and the Bunny, who are actually married in real life. Yep. Um, Before the match began, Orange Cassidy asked uh, the referee, Aubrey Edwards, to check the Blade for brass knuckles because he's got hit by them lately by the Blade. Uh, She found them, and the Blade's upset. Blade gets in the face of Orange Cassidy. The match begins with the, the Blade getting some strikes in until Cassidy hits the uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Um, then Cassidy tags in Statlander, and now she and the Bunny are legal competitors. The Bunny takes a shot in the back of the head of Statlander after Statlander is distracted by the Blade. Then we have another picture-in-picture. Picture. Uh, then we came back, and the Bunny's in control after hitting a swinging neckbreaker. Um uh, or I should say after the break, uh, Statlander slammed down the bunny and went for the pin, but only got two count. Uh, the blade hit Orange Cassidy with the brass knuckles. Um, he goes back to hand the bunny the brass knuckles, but Statlander reaches Cassidy and tags herself in. She hits the blade with aerial 451 um, or 451. I don't really know. I can't remember how they pronounce that exactly. Yeah. She followed that up by hitting the bunny with the Big Bang Theory and for the pin, one, two, three. What I found, um, there are a couple things that I found really interesting about this match. First of all, uh, they build this as the first ever mixed tag match. So are we now ignoring uh, Cody and Red Velvet versus Shaq and Jade? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess they, we are. Somebody on commentary mentioned it briefly. Because one of the other guys said, you know, it's the first ever. And uh, he was corrected by saying, no, you know, we had uh, Cody and Red Velvet versus Shaq and Jade Cargill. And, but that was it. They never touched on it again. Maybe it's because Shaq's not an AEW wrestler. Yeah. Uh, which, which I'm glad you brought that up, though. Because did you see the Twitter buzz with Shaq this past week? Uh, I have not. So he was on a radio show or a podcast, or I, I don't know what it was, but they asked he's him. He's on about, everything. Yeah, he's, he's all over the place. They asked him about um, AW, and he said he, how he enjoyed his time there and enjoyed wrestling in front of the crowd, but would love to wrestle in front of a crowd of ten to 12,000. And he called out uh, Paul White Ooh. and said he's got to get in shape this summer and wants to make that match happen. And Paul White responded, You know where to find me. And we were supposed to see this uh, in Paul White's previous company when we still had the BS, um, and it never happened. So, yep, yeah, that would be big. That would be big. I, I know they're older now, and maybe it's not as hyped up as it would have been at one time. But that would get some uh, big pub all over happen. the place. Yeah, because I mean, you know, Paul White's a big name in and outside of the wrestling company or the wrestling business. So. Shaq, obviously. I mean, you say Shaq, everybody knows Shaq. So. Right. So, yeah, you know, you know, I think NBA, that would get a lot of eyes on AEW. The NBA finals are going on right now. They're going to be wrapped up here in the next two weeks. Then Shaq will have some free time. He said he's going to get in the gym, get himself in shape. Let's make this happen. I'll be all about it. That'd be a heck of a first debut AEW match for Paul White. That'd be awesome. Yeah, of course, I got to say Shaq looks in pretty good shape compared to when this was supposed to happen in the other company. Right, right. They're both both guys. Both guys are in much better shape, even though I will say Paul White worked his tail off to get in good shape back then, and then Shaq kind of screwed him over. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other interesting thing I found about this match was uh, the fact that post-match, they said Eddie Kingston claims that the Big Bang Theory is one of the most dangerous moves in professional wrestling. Or it's, it sounded like they said Kingston. I didn't catch any of that, but okay. that's interesting if they said that. But they, that yeah, doesn't make they, any sense. 
or yeah, something, the most something in the business. And I swear it was dangerous I'll or take your word for it. risky or spectacular or something. I don't know. It was one of those, you know, five choices. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we got an interesting little segment here. We saw Dan Lambert, who I got to admit, I was not familiar with. I don't follow him no. too closely of the American top team. He calls it the biggest MMA I don't know, school or promotion. I don't know what he called it in the world. Uh, he has the microphone. He talked about how wrestling has sucked since the late 1990s. He talked about Florida Championship Wrestling. Keeps cutting a promo and keeps cutting AEW down in, in the fans. And then finally, Lance Archer comes out and basically takes him out. Out of nowhere, too. That was another one of I those. Knew somebody, we knew somebody was coming out, but I didn't, well, I, didn't know yeah. who, I didn't know who I was going through my head. Glad to see Lance back on TV. We've been missing him for the last few weeks since he really, since Double or Nothing, since he lost to Miro. But like I text you, Paul, what the heck? Let's get him into a storyline. Like, Put him in the spotlight. I don't like how they, they've used him ever really since he's joined the company because it's just up and no. down. It's a roller coaster. Like they mentioned yeah. on the promo weeks ago, it's up and down. And that was the thing, you know, we had the sting stuff going on with him for a while. Then he kind of faded out again. And then there was, yeah. And then there was that promo from uh, Jake in the abandoned, whatever talking about, you know, he's tired of going somewhere and then not going anywhere and he's going to make a change and then poof gone again. Yeah. It's like, they don't know what to do with him. I mean, yeah, it makes me wonder, is it the company? Is there something going on with Archer that we don't know about? I don't know. I mean, but, I mean like we've talked about, time's ticking on the guy. He's not a young pup. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, He's even if it's not, talented. yeah, even if it's not putting a strap on the man, do something. Just with get him in feuds. Get him. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, yeah. Even yeah. if it's a mid-card feud, let's just get him on TV. Right. Right. Get him some wins, too. He loses too much. Exactly. Uh, we then got the main event for the AW Tag Team World Championships, Eddie Kingston and Pinta with Alex Abrahantes versus the Young Bucks with Don Kaus and Brandon Cutler. Fun match here like we all thought it would be. Um, plenty of dirty tactics like you can uh, come to expect out of the, the heel Young Bucks. Of course, we got the Young Bucks in the ring. Streamers go off. The bell rings. Eddie King Kingston hits Nick Jackson with the trash can because this is a street fight. It got changed to a street fight this week, and I should add the Young Bucks come out with no facial hair this week. But like I told you, Paul, they look like Billy Kidman. Billy Kidman, yeah. Um, WCW days. Yep. <laughs> Maybe that's the stab they were going for this week. I didn't know that, or, you know, with the jeans shorts, uh, Shawn Michaels and his return in 2 in the street fight against Triple H or jeans. I don't know. I don't know where they're going, but jeans are an appropriate look in a street fight. I get it. Yep. Um, this one goes back and forth. Um, early, early on, the Young Bucks go for a super kick on both Penta and Kingston, but they duck and they hit Mike and Nakazawa. Um instead. Um, we also get a spot later on that sees Brenda Cutler go through the table when he was trying to spray the cold spray again. Um, he almost missed that table. Oh yeah, he he caught the edge of that table, and when it buckled, it bent right up into his back. Yeah, we also saw uh, Nick Jackson hit a 450 splash on referee uh, Rick Knox to break the hold. That was interesting, and, and Matt Jackson yeah. taps out when when Rick Knox is out. Uh, right so, after. <laughs> yep, we saw the Good Brothers come out and attacks Eddie Kingston, and they go for the Fear Factor and they hit it, um, or they don't call it the Fear Factor now. It's the um, Magic Killer, excuse me, the Magic Killer. Oh, yeah. Uh, we saw Kingston go for the pin. Another referee comes out, almost gets a three, but uh, Nick Jackson pulls the referee out of the ring. We see Frankie Kazarian come out. That's who put Brandon Cutler to the table. I kind of got ahead of myself there. Uh, the Good Brothers hit Kaz with the Magic Killer. Um, Kingston then empties a bag of thumbtacks. Both teams are trying to avoid the thumbtacks until Penta is hit with a hurricanrana off the top rope and lands on the thumbtacks. Young Bucks then shoved some thumbtacks. Yeah, uh, they put some uh, thumbtack. They throw some thumbtacks. Uh, <laughs> we got thumbtacks shoved into Kingston's mouth. We see Matt Jackson hit a super kick on Kingston, and then uh, the pin for one, two, three. The 
Young Bucks retain the uh, AEW tag team titles. You got it. Thanks for filling in for me, Paul. Hey, My no USB microphone just signed. It was going to just go out and um, mute itself all of a sudden when I'm in mid-sentence. So, yeah, I wasn't technology. sure if it was me or you, so yeah, I sat me. here for a second and I went, nope, nope. okay, it go. It was me. I don't know. <laughs> this thing's been acting up lately, but I'm uh, back on track now. But, yeah, you recap the match. Fun match. Uh, and they like to do some uh, dangerous thumbtack spots with a mouth in yeah. this company. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't recall maybe ECW days getting thumbtacks thrown in the face. Yeah. Um, yeah, even if, you know, I'm sure there's a safe way to do it, but one of those flips over, you're pinned right in the face. You better just close your eyes, I guess, and just hope for the best. Yeah, I think that's all you can do is just kind of close every hole and just sit there and go, okay, here we go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, wasn't too much post-match because they, they carried this pretty closely to uh, 10 o'clock. Um, but luckily the young bucks retain because going into this, if the young bucks would have somehow lost this match, I would have lost this belt. So, I mean, it was both you and I made all the proper predictions for, um, the show tonight. It really was going to come down to points. And if we would have been off on the young bucks retaining, I would have lost the gold to you. Uh, but luckily, I was able to retain due to a what we're calling a tie. Uh, you had a proper terminology for it, and I can't think of it right now because I'm kind of just kind of trying to carry us here while uh, your microphone is acting I, I up. I think I'm back. I, 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 I <laughs> hey, don't know are. what's going on. I've never have, <laughs> have had this many problems with it before. I don't know if my computer's getting old. I, I don't know what's going on, but it is just not – it keeps telling me it's – not connected and then it mutes me and then I can't get it working. Then the audio is coming out of my computer and then um, good thing we're almost done with the show. (laughs) (laughs) Might need an update. Mine did that earlier. I had everything plugged in and then all of a sudden it just started going crazy. So I had to update. I'm like, I'm glad I jumped on here, you know, 20 minutes ahead of time. It's a mess. I mean, lately it goes out one time and then I fix it and it's fine. But tonight it's been three times in a row in the last two minutes. So, (laughs) um, but overall, give the show a grade from 1 to 10. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. It was an action-packed show. A uh, little slow to start, but the uh, interviews in the backstage segments were good. So that I was okay with. Um, but yeah, I'll give it a solid 8. I'm going to give it an 8.5. I really enjoyed tonight's show. I think it was a great kickoff show for what's going to be a fun summer of AEW action as they're back on the road. I think there's going to be a lot more surprises to come. I mean, next week's card stacked. I mean, we got the the uh, New Japan U.S. title, the IWGP, I should say, U.S. title yeah. on the line with Mox and Machine Gun. We get uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage for the FTW title. We get Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. I mean, that's a pretty good stacked card right there next week. Two weeks from now, uh, we get Britt Baker and Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm. Which I'll be glad when that's over because yes. I mean Nyla's talented. Don't get me wrong, I'm just tired of her challenging every single champion as soon as the champion wins. Right, she gets an opportunity all the time. Yep, you're you're 100 correct. Um, and um, I cannot remember her name for the life of me, but she uh, Japanese wrestler makes her return next week. She was. Uh, with the company early on uh, in the women's title eliminator tournament, uh, both of them actually. Um, I will find it. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed watching her, and I look forward to seeing her back. I will try to find it if my uh, <laughs> see if my computer can uh, work for me. Here. Multitask for you. But, but why I do that? Why don't you give us your wrestler of the night? Okay, so I have been struggling with this since the show started. Um, I'm going to settle on Statlander. Um, Very unique way to sneak a tag in um, and pull off the victory. I mean, I thought thought that was going uh, Bunny and Blade there for a second. Yeah, it would have helped me out in the uh, <laughs> long run, but that's all right. Uh, 
It is uh, Yuka Sakazaki is who you there were trying to remember. And we forgot the arguably the biggest match next week, the coffin match between Darby oh, Allen yeah. and Ethan Page. Oh, man. So, yeah. That Sorry. Be a good one. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, you know, I I asked um, uh, SRS Sean Ross Sapp when he does a Q&A show every week. I pay for FIFO Select. And you can you can submit a question. I asked him if either of those guys, if he had heard that if they're banged up or why they moved the match back. He brought up a really good point, and I'm ashamed I didn't think of it. With the uh, recent tragic situation mm-hmm. with the, the that uh, hotel or the condo going down in Miami. Oh, yeah. The coffin match stipulation wasn't the best. Yeah. So yeah. That makes you, sense. You know, you know, some people probably don't care about that, but others do. So they right. took the high road and, and pushed it back a match. He, he, he believes that's what happened because he said he has not heard a report that either guy were banged up. Okay. Yep. All right. And, uh, of course, I successfully retained. You uh, did. You did. Um, <laughs> my wrestler of the night, I'm going to go with Drade El Igolo. I figured. Just See, because he debuted and was successful and got the win. And that's why I was struggling so much. I was like, do I just go Andrade and say, screw it? If we end up with the same, we end up with the same. And I was like, no, I've got a feeling that's who Tanner's going to go with. So I'll yeah, let him I'm, have it. I'm an Andrade fan. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. I got him tonight. I got uh, Malachi Black. I'm, I'm liking it. You know, still got Mero on a hot streak. I'm, I'm liking what they're doing with the, the WWE cast offs. Well, it's the guys yeah. WWE released. So yeah. Former WWE stars. Right. right. Um, Super yeah, before, champs in the future. Yep. Yep. Uh, before we wrap up. Yeah. Paul is the reigning KOP predictions champ. I'll uh, try to get it back and all out. Uh, yeah. Cause that's my next title defense. I'm not yeah, doing this again. Want, no, these, these <laughs> next three, I mean, the cards are going to be stacked, but I still think week to week, they're going to be more predictable, even though next week, Next week's card's a lot harder pr- to predict than this week's was, yes. in my opinion. Yes. Um, but uh, also exciting announcement. Follow us on all social media accounts. So that you can like us on uh, Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Kicking Out Pod. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. But we're going to have more news on this soon. But soon you can find, you'll be able to purchase. KOP kicking out podcast merchandise on pro wrestling tees.com. So we're really excited about that. We're getting a store going on there. Um, once we get that going, we'll, we'll put the link on all the socials and, and everywhere and tell you where you can purchase a t-shirt. But um, yeah, yeah, that's something we're working on right now. So excited to get that going. Yeah. And of course, don't forget uh, once we hit a thousand followers on uh, Facebook, uh, I've got a surprise for Tanner. Yeah, so uh, if you haven't already hit that like button, please do so. Tell your family and friends or whoever in your life likes pro wrestling, especially AEW, to give us a like or a follow. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this on your favorite audio platform. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and review. That really helps us out. There's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there and a lot of AEW-specific podcasts. So it's a competitive world out there. really helps us out. We really appreciate it. So, um, anything else to add, Paul? Because I don't have anything, so I'm going to let you take it away. Uh, follow us all on all our social media. You can find Tanner on Twitter at TannerLee92. You can find me on Twitter at PaulZartman921. Um, with that being said, for Tanner Lee, I'm Paul Zartman. Join us again next week as we kick out yet another podcast. <laughs>